You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. Welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. It is Thursday afternoon, July 14th, 2016. We are in the middle of turmoil. This is the Super Bowl of politics. I mean, conventions, possible convention infighting. VP pick is almost 100% chosen or known at this point at the time of recording. Certainly a lot to talk about. Um, First, I just want to bring in my co-host here, Joe Koss. You know, during such a time of murkiness, tumult, and chaos, as Rush Limbaugh always says, you know, there's a lot of squirrels to chase. There's a lot of straw men. There's a lot of things that are not so important but become the biggest news item, and there are things that are important. We need a conservative conscience. We need at its core. We People are looking for guidance. What do, what do we have to offer here at Conservative Review? What are we going to you know have throughout the coverage of this political season? You know, just so we could point our listeners in that direction. Well, I mean, I think you're going to you're you're going to see small little things, small little victories for conservatives. I mean, we saw it with the platform, and I know a lot of people say that a platform doesn't matter, but we saw that the cruise effect allowed a conservative platform to come out of there. And that and that that's going to be helpful in a, in, in a sort of philosophical based sense. Uh, I think you're also going to have some things that conservatives can hang their hats on coming out of the election. You've got a guy like Daryl Glenn and and some, you know, some of the other people running for house that that could be small shining stars uh, down the road that it, they're not tied to this election necessarily. They can sort of stand on their own and regardless of what happens at the top of the ticket, uh, or or even in sort of leadership, it doesn't matter. I mean, when you add conservatives to government versus, you know, anything else, that's a good thing. Those are positive things conservatives can look at. Sure. No, I mean, we, we do have that, but, you know, then we have the big picture that we're throwing some diamonds in a landfill. <laughs> right. This whole system. And, and, and that's the thing. I want to get back to that more next week's um, broadcast. Next week, I really want to... Um, God willing, we're going to be releasing our book, you know, Stolen Sovereignty. It's available for pre-order on, on Amazon, and it will be released formally on Tuesday. Um, so please pick up your copy. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be in bookstores yet, but certainly available at WND, you know, the publisher, and Amazon, Stolen Sovereignty, How to Stop Unelected Judges from Transforming America. And that's really where we go through the systemic stuff how we got here over and beyond this single election and and even after this election what we're going to face the judiciary controls everything anyway um our immigration and demographics religious liberty all these important issues stolen sovereignty our individual sovereignty to self-governance state sovereignty and national sovereignty are being stripped from us so you know these are discussions we want to continue having um you know obviously if you follow our vertical here there's a lot of important things that don't get played. Just today, there was a hearing in Government Oversight Committee. Tens of thousands of criminal aliens committed tens of thousands of rapes, murders, burglaries, drunk driving offenses. 
it's it's rampant. Courts are releasing criminal aliens in addition to Obama. Um, you got the lack of willingness to identify Sharia Islam as an enemy. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, Joe, but uh, um, Obama's CIA chief said that we have no greater ally than Saudi Arabia. Yeah. I mean, dude, like, we're done. Um, we have the military focused as its number one priority on women in combat and transgenderism. Um, you know, we got courts suing people for transgender, suing states for transgender mandates, forcing them to fund Planned Parenthood, releasing violent criminals. It, it, this is nuts, okay? Um, so this is not going to be solved in all the stuff you're going to hear throughout next week. This talks above that. This speaks beyond this election. This speaks to the fact that our party is broken through and through. And whether you're pro-Trump or vehemently anti-him, you bo- you all have to agree that's true anyway. And Trump's not going to fix that, even if you believe he won't exacerbate the problem. Um, you know, and, and beyond the party, our system of governance is flipped on its head. Right now what we're doing is drinking coffee with a fork. Um, we we, we, we got to go find a spoon. We, you know, we could say, well, maybe we'll, uh, you know, really like slurp it up and scoop it up in real, real quick and find all these. That's what we're doing right now. We're just groping around in the dark. Um, we need to cut to the source of the problem. And I'm really, you know, it's been a privilege to, to write this book, to get it published. And, and I, I'd love to discuss some of this more. But for now, all right, it is the Super Bowl. So we'll delve into some of the here and now even though I don't believe it's going to make much of a difference. So start with v- VP pick. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the presumptive VP pick, Indiana Governor Mike Pence. Just just to set the table, to begin with, I think VP picks are the most overhyped element of American politics. Um, VPs don't make a difference other than being the next in line except for Cheney and Biden because their age and whatever else, usually they become the party's next in line thereafter. They really don't have much of an influence on policy as much as they say, well, if he's a governor, he's this. If he's a senator, he'll have greater relations with the Senate. If he's a House guy, he'll... Secretary of State, Attorney General, Secretary of Defense, that's what, what's mat- what matters. Um, ironically, the guy who's on the ballot as VP doesn't matter. And certainly as a VP nominee, it doesn't matter. Um, Paul Ryan, if there was ever a candidate that would have mattered, it was him. Everyone thought, wow, he is so associated with Medicare and the left is going to go after that. After a couple days, it just petered out and he wasn't an asset. He wasn't a liability. It, it you know, boiled down to Romney, his lack of ground game and Obama's ability to define him before he defined himself and Obama's superior campaign. It really didn't make a difference. Um, so I think to begin with, it doesn't make a difference. But I think this year it really doesn't make a difference because Donald Trump is – I'm thinking of – what's a good word for it? Saturation level polarization when you kind of maxed out in terms of intensity of your view about him. If you're for him, you're for him. If you're against him, you're against him. There's nobody you could really pick that's going to matter. He is such an overbearing personality it's all going to be about it. Certainly, certainly, when you pick such a low-key, unnamed guy, unknown guy to almost everyone outside of politics, as Mike Pence, Joe, isn't this a drop in the bucket? 
you does it really matter? <laughs> you sort of summed up, uh, or didn't sum up, but set up a ton of uh, a ton of stuff that I could talk about there. Um, let me let me kind of go in reverse order a little bit. One of your main arguments that you just made and that you make a lot is that the VP pick doesn't matter. That isn't true historically. I think today in 2016, I think you're correct. I think the last time it really mattered, which wasn't that long ago, but was the was the Palin pick with McCain. And he it, he didn't get out of it what he should have, and I won't go into the internal politics, yep. but but he could have gotten a lot more out of it. And he didn't. But that was it, it could I it could have mattered, but you're right, it didn't. It, it, it didn't. ultimately didn't. Right. And that was the last time it could have mattered. So if we go even earlier than that, I think there were times that it mattered. And the reason that it mattered is even when we had a two-party system, historically, the VP was somebody who solidified alliances. You know, whether you're a Game of Thrones or just a, you know, a, a history fanatic, people used to marry people for uh, strategic advantage. Uh, you know, you would marry off sons and daughters and cousins and whatnot to to build alliances and form alliances. And that's what happened back in the day. And that was back before there were 24-hour news cycles and everyone knew everything about everyone. Now I think what happens with a VP pick, especially with somebody like Pence, is that we're sort of trying to relive that almost or there's an expectation that the VP pick means something. And so now I think we go through the motions. But like you said, after about a week or two, it didn't matter. I disagree with you on the Paul Ryan thing that um, it, it was only a couple days. I think he did show both how little it did matter by showing that he could have an effect and it was the greatest effect you could have. And it was after that first debate where he really kind of came in and, and, and won and Romney had just won. But it showed right, you know, because everyone's like, oh, Paul Ryan is just going to pummel Joe Biden. And he, and he did but Joe Biden was so ready for it, and Romney had just crushed Obama in that, was it the second debate or the first debate? It was the first debate, that Romney got the bump, but that was all it was. So that's what I mean. Like, he had an effect, but it wasn't enough. And I think that's where you are nowadays with a VP. And he didn't pick. even carry his, his, you know, Wisconsin, and ultimately they didn't win. And, and, but, but I, and I think you could easily say Romney wasn't weighed down by him no and, and um, not to yeah. relitigate that you you yeah. know you're asking about a guy like pence i followed pence for a long time i know a lot of people that work for pence and, and so i have a lot more inside knowledge uh, living in michigan and knowing people from indiana i know a lot about what he's done as governor you know he has really two histories one him in congress and one is him <laughs> as governor and i That's think a good way of putting it. well no it's it's two, true two, mike pence's. two totally different mike pence's and and i think that's the thing i think and, and i'm not 100 percent sure you know i'll throw the tinfoil hat on me. I don't know if that's who's going to be announced tomorrow at 1 p.m. It may who be who Donald Trump wants right now at 2.30, you know, on, on Thursday, but it may not be who's Friday because he's the kind of guy that can switch his mind, you know, and his team could switch and, and all those people. That said, a guy like Pence, literally, I think for Trump is a safe pick. And Trump knows that. And he knows it doesn't really matter. So he picks somebody safe. He picks someone that just, you know, wouldn't be bad, but wouldn't necessarily be good. But he's also supposedly going to announce his cabinet picks, or at least some cabinet picks tomorrow. And this goes to your point a little bit. I think he recognizes that and the rest of the world recognizes that, that you need to be able to come out and say, hey, look, my vice president doesn't represent how I'm going to govern, but these people will. Exactly. No, I mean, that matters much more. And, you know, I, I think you're kind of right in terms of safe pick. I would say, again, it's meaningless 
everyone wants to, you know, hey, Daniel, I'm, I'm being asked on radio shows, okay, is this a terrible pick or a good pick? And again, it is the most incomprehensible, meaningless pick, but that's why he picked him. Right. And the point, the point is, you know, if you think about it, let me let me just explain it by contrasting to people like Newt Gingrich and, and Chris Christie. So certainly, well, and let's go a step a step back. What is the number one criteria? It's not it's not a oh fill in this gap or this ideological this geographical gap. Any any reviewer of conservative review listener to us should know by now. Whatever you think of Trump, it ain't about principle. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Um, it's what his son Eric said on Hannity Wednesday night, which is that he wants someone fiercely loyal to him. So now, Gingrich and Christie have been very fiercely loyal. Um, you know, Christie, there's even all these jokes about him batting his eyelashes at him and, you know, being, you know, bossed around. But the point is, um, nonetheless, they are both very well known. They're strong personalities. And even if they're dutifully following Trump, but they're easily going to go on their own script just because of who they are. Um, you know, and he doesn't want that. You know, Newt Gingrich, it would, you'd, it would be, you'd have all this coverage, at least for a week, about him. Um, Chris Christie, again, as much of a, a rear-end uh, liquor he is to, to Trump, but at some point he, he's going to go off on his own just because that's who he is. He's a very strong personality. Mike Pence, and particularly Governor Mike Pence, as opposed to the Mike Pence that we knew from some of our friends who worked for him on the Hill back when he was a House conservative, um, it's just vanilla pudding, milk toast. I mean, it, like this is the guy. Someone put it great on Twitter. I'm forgetting. It's just you know, you, you, Trump could put something on a teleprompter for him, and he'll just read it dutifully. I mean, he will. And and that's I, the I would Trump, even say beautifully. Yeah. You know, that's another thing. You know, when he was GOP conference chair, he was head of the messaging, and I think he really embraced yeah. that role, and he really liked it because he got to go out there and have the fights. You talk about this all the time that these people are social conservatives. You tweeted it earlier. They're personal very hardcore social conservatives but they legislate very differently and i and i think that we see that with pence in his role as governor because this is a man with very strong convictions and as head as the gop conference when your job is to go out there and run with the platform he did a beautiful job with it but when he governs he views it i, I I think, at least from what I've seen, much more pragmatically in the sense that yep. he, he he he's conceded the new, what I call the neoconservative view, which is, you know, you can't get a hundred percent, so you're fighting somewhere between fifty and and seventy percent, and so he he. He's much more calculating about where he, you know, chooses his losses. You see that with his decision on Common Core. You see that his with his decision on Medicaid expansion on, on almost everything he's done. It's look, I'm fighting for the ultimate conservative principle here, so I am going to give them ground because we wouldn't get it anyways. So I'm going to determine what ground I give them. And and while that sounds good on paper, it it has really bad results in the real world because the left is willing to do anything to get as much as they possibly can this ain't the era of tip o'neill and and that's and that's the thing i hate to disappoint some of the trump's it's funny watching some of trump's ardent supporters again you if you try to view this as either complimenting him supplementing him geographically politically ideologically either in the middle or on the right it does nothing so the moderates like mike who like uh, um, now you say he's weak with social conservatives. Okay, so then you'd pick 
Now, obviously, for other reasons, you wouldn't pick Cruz, but Cruz, or, or let's say someone in the mold of a Huckabee or a Santorum, but, but Pence, maybe 10 years ago, but, and, and again, personally, I love the guy, he's, I, I, I he is a good, very good man, um, and, I, and I believe he is personally a good, good social conservative, but uh, he ain't standing up to the rainbow jihad, he, he rolled like a cheap, uh, a cheap bet chair, um, in Indiana with the Rifra fight, where, where he couldn't even plow the ground that Chuck Schumer plowed 20 years ago in Rifra. So the point is, um, he couldn't run for president for the top slot because social conservatives were ticked off at him. He lost his base with that. So you're not gaining those people. People like Steve Dace is not going to say, well, oh, I picked up my pants. Wow, now, now I'm on board. Um, you know, mo- most of the people who are anti-Trump, even if you did pick a legitimate con- social conservative fighter, wouldn't. Certainly someone who his most notorious social conservative view now is folding um, in the face of the rainbow jihad, where he couldn't even protect private businesses from servicing the, um, you know, gay weddings with with their own property, and so so that's what I'm saying. Now you'll say, okay, well maybe it supplements him, it, you know, it, it it um, not supplements, but maybe uh, echoes him. It's just you know a twin, but then you would have picked Jeff Sessions, or at least the perception of I, I don't believe Trump is Sessions, but the perception. But see, there there's let me just call it the there's for lack of a better term, the Phyllis Schlafly wing of the party and the corporate, more globalist wing of the party. Right. Right? And, and so the, the, the common thread with, with anyone supporting Trump, whether they believe it, you know, wh- whether they're right or not, and I believe they're wrong in many respects, I don't believe Trump believes in much of anything, but certainly the people that have gravitated and some of the people he has brought on in his inner circle – they subscribe to the Phyllis Schlafly wing. So it's tra- with trade, immigration, um, you know, law and order, rule of law. You, you look at these things, and to the extent Mike Pence brings along conservative bona fides, it's on the more corporate wing. It, M- Mike Pence has a video out there saying, I'm, I, I am and always will be a Jack Kemp Republican. That, that's actually the word I was looking for. Phyllis Schlafly or Jack Kemp. He's from the Jack Kemp side. Um, you know, he'll discuss on the fiscal issues, although he has really gone south on some of that has given in. Um, but that's more just his lack of courage. I, I think he still believes in it, obviously. He tweeted out, oh, how appalling to not bring in Muslims. You know, the Muslim immigration thing. Um, you want to talk about immigration? Again, take a poll. That is the number one issue why so much of our base supported Trump, Right. Because of what he was saying on immigration, they perceive, wow, this is great. Mike Pence was Marco Rubio before Marco Rubio. Um, I've been fighting immigration for a decade. So I was around not just in the 2013 Gang of Eight fight, but the 2006-2007 fight. This was the guy who was was the original Marco Rubio who was going to work to revive George W. Bush's amnesty plan. Um, So I got news for you. Uh, uh, You didn't pick that. So that's what I'm saying. Mike Pence's views are in stark contrast to Trump in many, many ways, but it doesn't get anyone. So you know, but sometimes it's good because it will get other people on. In other words, you know, let's say you have a socially liberal guy, so you bring on a socially conservative VP, and you'll bring them in, or vice versa. Reagan felt like he needed to unite the party. He needed to. The Rockefeller Republicans were still strong in many areas. He had to bring on George H.W. Bush. Mike Pence doesn't do that. And I think Trump knows that and he doesn't care. Um, 
he believes he could carry his own weight. It worked for him in the primary. He believes it's going to work now. Now, uh, the polling isn't bearing that out. His strategy is insane of every time Hillary is the focus of the most negative media cycle, he just goes and passes gas and and, uh, everyone's focusing on him again. Um, I don't get it. I don't get what his game is. But nonetheless, it's all about himself. And he wants the limelight to be about him. He, I, I would suppose, I would a supposition here, he would do without a VP pick if he could. VPs are irrelevant. I, I find it so cute. I'm seeing some of um, Pence's former colleagues in the House that are still in the House say, man, this is a man of the House. He really gets the House. He's a House guy. He'll, he'll really could be able to communicate with uh, the Trump administration with the House. Dude... It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, I, you know, I, I don't think, uh, you know, Obama's success with Senate Democrats is because of Joe Biden's 30-year relationship. But it's, 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 it's a cute observation politically, but it, it doesn't – that's not what Trump is thinking about. Oh, he wanted a bridge to the House. He wanted, like you said, a guy that just doesn't stand out. That will be no runs, no hits, no errors. It doesn't get him anything. It doesn't weigh him down. Um, uh, and it won't take away any attention from him. I, I, I agree. Um, and that's why I'm still, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy <laughs> theorist. I'm just not 100% sold that it's Pence yet. And the reason why is Donald Trump likes to play games. He likes to toy with the media. He likes to punish the media by using their own tactics against them. Donald Trump, you know, you say what you will about him, he does play the media well. And and so I don't want to turn this into, you know, the conservative conscience after dark conspiracy theories or anything like that. But again, and by the time many of you listen to this, it might already be known but, after 11 a.m. Right, but, but honestly, it, it, it may not. And that's why... In, in in everything that you've said, it's not to discount that. It's actually to, to magnify that. Trump may realize and know that the VP pick itself, its strongest moment is in the actual announcement. It it yep. sort of frames what the what the campaign and the convention are moving forward. So if anybody was gonna do like a cloak and dagger type thing, it would be Pence. Or, or I'm sorry, it would be Trump, and he would use. Well, it would be Pence too. He right. would dutifully go along with. And that's it. what I it, it, right. <laughs> it, and, and that's the thing. It, it there would be this bigger picture. I mean, and why do I say that again? Just indulge me for a minute. You've got the whole uh, delegates issue going on. There's going to be some sort of finagling going on there. We've seen it on Twitter, and we've heard reports from Rob. You know, you know who's in Cleveland and Nate Madden. They're talking about the discussions that are going on. You have this announcement in Manhattan tomorrow, right before the week. Weekend prior to the convention, you've got Sarah Palin, who's you know one of the biggest names since 2008 in terms of whenever you have these big speeches and convention type things. She's going to be in Alaska, and it's too far for her to come out and and do anything. That was the excuse given why she's not speaking. I mean, maybe she's not. Maybe there's family stuff going on. I mean, it is hard to get out of Alaska sometimes, just in the sense that 
you know, I mean, obviously, if she was the VP pick, it wouldn't, but maybe they're throwing a cloak and dagger thing. You got a guy like General Flynn. I mean, there are lots of issues and reasons why there could be. And Donald knows that. So that's the thing. This is either the total wet blanket on this this subject or the perfect sort of ruse to set up the most, like, Trump-esque announcement of a VP ever. Because he knows the biggest— And that's what I thought he'd be doing. That's what I thought he'd be doing. We'll find that out. But, uh, you know, I was just—in the long run, I I could see him— Never wanting to cede the limelight that 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 if it's such a spectacular pick, um, he would like the optics of it of the rollout, but then the focus thereafter he wouldn't want. Um, but let me just return, um, you know, to, to what we discussed at the beginning. This all doesn't matter. <laughs> it really, I'm sorry to tell you, it doesn't matter. Um, there's a lot of hype in the in the coming hours and days. Will there be a rebellion? Unlikely, but maybe. I just don't think it matters at this point. I think we have to hit rock bottom um, before people realize how bad things are. And I think the only way to do that is, you know, by focusing on long-term systemic reforms, we're going to continue focusing on that. Um, we have some major problems in our party, um, and it's it's got to – we need a third party. Again, how we do that is a different story, but – you know, the first step in solving a problem is the recognition of the severity of the problem. And too many people, because they don't have a ready way of fixing the system, are like, well, no, the answer is not a third party. Well, no, the answer is a third party. The question is, yeah, how do you do that? Um, but like I'm saying, Trump or no Trump, the party is rotten to the core. You can only go so many years having a party that scores points for the other side. It, it 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 doesn't make any sense. We're not going to get anywhere like this. So yeah, we're going to be focusing on a lot of this. Um, you know, watch our updates from Nate Madden, Rob. You know, there are boys on the ground. Um, I will not be attending the convention um, next week. God willing, Tuesday is the release of Stolen Sovereignty. Let's take back our system, not just one election. Let's take it back. Um, in the long run, let's take back our governance from the unelected judges that are literally um, stealing our sovereignty. I, I guarantee you, if if a Republican, if we do get a Republican win in November, you're going to see this problem because anything we want to do, the courts are going to invalidate. And you're going to come to learn that this was the biggest issue that we needed to focus on and we're not. Congress has the power to put an end to this judicial tyranny frankly you don't even need congress they don't have the power to do what they're doing states can and should just say no we need a spirit of defiance um you know part of why i was just hoping there would be some sort of rebellion at the convention it's not so much that i'm a never trump guy i just want to see some freaking spunk in her guys you know um the left has always had it that we would just say no to a system no to something that that was produced no this is not valid no, this is wrong. No, we're not going to have men in, in female bathrooms. No, we're not going to redefine marriage. No, we're not going to release violent criminal aliens from prison and disperse them in our, throughout our states. No, we're not going to put them in our schools. No, we're not going to bring in endless Islamic immigrants. And there is not a constitutional mandate or freedom of religion to bring them in. Um, you know, no. No, there is not a requirement for birthright citizenship for children of illegals. No, we're not going to do this. There's certain 
unalienable rights. There's certain self-evident truths, life, liberty, property rights, conscience rights, governance by the consent of govern, popular sovereignty, jurisdictional sovereignty. These are the issues we're going to continue focusing even throughout this very exciting kind of inside baseball political season. We're going to keep focusing on the issues. We're not going to just get myopically sucked into you know whatever the hype of the day is. That's our commitment here as well as others here at Conservative Review. As always, tune into LevinTV.com. You're going to want to hear us take every night of the convention, breaking down some of the speeches you hear. Um, you know, because we, we cannot see what it means to be a constitutional conservative, and you're going to hear a lot of funny stuff at this convention. Uh, you know, we have a couple of male and female models, uh, very, uh, very deeply rooted conservatives there um, speaking at the convention. And, and we're going to need someone who's well grounded and who more, who better than Mark Levin. So listen to his radio show, LevinTV.com. Next week, welcome to the revolution, baby. Not Trump's convention, but the release of stolen sovereignty, taking back our sovereignty. Please go online, Amazon.com, order my book. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, for indulging me purchasing the book. Thanks for joining, joining Joe and I for this edition of The Conservative Conscience.